Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lockdown Canadians. Inside today's episode, it is the first part of a mega mailbag. We've got two mailbag episodes in a road for you. Today is part one. We have so many questions to get to, and that's all coming up next. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 676 of Lockdown Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, available wherever you get your podcast, or if you're watching both of us right now on YouTube, we are there on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. We love and appreciate all of you. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host back from wedding weekend, the active stick, Laura Saba, for part one of a two-part mailbag series. We have so many questions from last week before the Sean Monahan trade. We have so many things to get to. And before we dive right into that, Laura, welcome back. Nothing really Thank happened. <laughs> we have finally discovered we have finally finished reading all the trade conditions on the Sean Monahan trade. So uh welcome back for that. I thank you so much, Scott. You did a wonderful job with the prospect pyramid um ranking thingy that you did on the last episode <laughs> when you when you were um uh flying solo i really appreciate it for those of you who haven't seen it or listened to it please go ahead and do that i was actually listening to it as i was packing up the hotel room from wedding weekend fun was had by all it was an awesome time uh very happy to be back and uh also for those of you who sent in mailbag questions last week this there's like a huge backlog so we had to do a two-parter to cover all the questions so Thank you so much because you sent so many interesting things. And I'm going to start from uh, one of the YouTube questions, actually. Paul G. asks us, for the next mailbag, we would like your opinion on the following line combos. Line one, Suzuki, Caulfield, and Dodonov. Line two, Anderson, Drew, and Dvorak. Line three, Doc, Gallagher, and Slavkovsky. And then Evans, Pitlick, Armia, slash Byron with Hoffman ready to replace whoever gets hurt. So there's a lot of forwards. Yeah, that had Monaghan on the second line, correct? I didn't mishear that. No, there was. this was before the Monaghan trade. On the second line, okay. it was Anderson, Duran, was... Dvorak. Okay. So my thought is, I actually like that top line because I think Evgeny Dodonov is such a versatile piece for this team. And it's hard now looking at this in retrospect because the Sean Monahan trade changes a lot of things and Slavkovsky's arrival changes a lot of things. I The top six, I feel, is set. And from there, it is a who knows. I think there's going to be a lot of movement there. Um, the thing with Dvorak is I know his defensive numbers are better than uh, what he showed last year. And I do not think giving him Anderson and Drouin is going to help in that regard because I don't think Doc can take the defensive minutes that Dvorak would be doing. And you don't want to bury Suzuki with all that when he's your best offensive center. And that creates a conundrum now because now they have currently five centers, five NHL centers, regardless of Sean Monahan's injury status, on this roster. 
And I think it's going to, you know, cause a shuffle here a little bit. And that's a good thing. Having depth is not a bad thing. I am curious to see what they do with Evgeny Dodonov. I'm curious to see where Brendan Gallagher fits in. I'm curious to see what they do with Josh Anderson or even Mike Hoffman, if he even starts the year here. Uh, Byron's obviously on LTIR, so he's not going to be starting the season on time. And we don't know what Yol Armia's status is right now, if he's going to get traded or if he's going to stay. There's a lot up in the air. It is a very big guessing game around the Montreal Canadiens right now. I agree with you. I do think, though, that we're going to see Gallagher have a little bit of a resurgence, and I think that's going to play a part in what line he plays on. I do think that while he belongs on the third line, I know there's an argument to be made that, you know, he gets paid too much for a third line or blah, blah, blah. But I do see that he's going to – I feel – I feel like he's going to have a bounce back year. He's not going to get back to like, you know, 25 year old Brendan Gallagher, but he's going to have a bounce back year. So let's ask another question. This was also on YouTube and this is from Dan's plant designs mailback question with all the discussion about our excessive forwards who we may have a hard time trading and young guys and prospects who deserve spots in the lineup. Do you see Martin St. Louis benching high paid forwards who aren't needed on this team? Even with the salary, we could see Hoffman, Armia, Drouin, or others get scratched on a semi-regular basis. I I don't think it's going to be based on how much they make. I think a lot of it's going to be based on the effort and what they're putting in for this. And I still think Ken Hughes is going to be true to his word that he's looking to find homes for players who might want to go elsewhere, whether that be Armia, whether that be Drouin, whether that be Anderson, Hoffman. I think this is why it's probably the only good thing that the Canadians have eight preseason games. It gives Martin St. Louis plenty of time to analyze every piece of this roster. Who wants to buy in? Who's going to show? Yeah, preseason is preseason. But at the same time, who's buying in? Who is going to, you know, try and pull the rope? We might not be good, but who's going to go out there and try it? Like we know Michael Pazetta is going to try. He might try a little too hard, but we know he's going to try. Are we going to see the Mike Hoffman that, you know, was trying towards the end of the season? Or are we going to see the guy that vanished for, you know, 17 minutes a night and then occasionally scored a goal? You know, it's uh, it, there's going to be a lot going on. And I there's going to be a lot of overreaction, I think, because, of course, there is. But what are you going to do? I mean, the thing is, like, you know, you're talking about, like, you have to manage your veterans and all of that because you still want to be the kind of, um, you want to be a team that's an attractive destination to people. But at the same time, if it's somebody who doesn't fit, they don't belong, I think they should get benched. And then maybe they'll demand a trade and and help the problem. Um, (laughs) Maybe they'll make themselves go away. We've got a question (laughs) from Connor K on YouTube again. And this is, again, so all of these are from, like, a week and a half ago. So sorry for getting to it late. Mailback question. With other experts saying the cap should rise by $8 million in the next three years, how does that help the Habs navigate some of these bad contracts? Well, given recent news, uh, very easily, I think. And if the timeline for everything going forward is lined up the way we think it is, if it rises, you know, a couple million you know, next season going into 2023, 2024. Great. If it rises a little bit more from there, when you have your uh, Cole Caulfield going into a long-term deal, hopefully some of these other young guys that have stepped up and you have your Mike Hoffman's off the book, your Yol Armia, your Paul Byron, your Carey Prices, your David Savard's off the book. You can suddenly do kind of what the Rangers did and you can buy heavy in the free agent market or 
go after, you know, trade pieces at a higher value from a team that's selling. Uh, I think it's going to help the Canadians a lot. And especially with the recent news around Carey Price and what's going on with Sean Monaghan and this, uh, the Canadians could come into a lot of cap space sooner than we're anticipating, I think. Right. And this is kind of along the same lines. And it's the last question in this segment before we move on. Uh, Dan S again on YouTube mailback question. What return do you think we could get for Drew at the deadline? I think a lot of people are down on him, but before he got injured, he looked really good at times. I think if he returns to form and the Habs retain his salary, a first and a prospect sound reasonable. So a lot of people, a lot of people argued with this take when this mailback question was posted on our YouTube. I don't think it's unreasonable because the market has a lot of recency bias, right? So if you're talking about giving Duran a chance to show that his injuries rehabbed, that he can return to form, that he can be useful to a good team, Kent Hughes can play chicken with a GM until he gets a first. But again, it's unlikely, but it's possible because right now we're in a situation where lots of players are getting traded for future considerations. That's not going to be the case in November. That's not going to be the case in, uh, I believe the trade deadline is February this year. Uh, I believe it is. End of February, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. or, Or early March. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of moving parts to this. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I do see the people arguing. I do understand why they're arguing that, but I don't think it's out of the realm of the possibility. Neither do I. All of it depends on how does he play this year. It's like we talked about when they got Evgeny Dodonov and now they've gotten Sean Monaghan is if they play well, they're valuable. Simple as that. It's not a high, it's not a high threshold, mind you, but if they play well and they're on an expiring deal, you can flip them at the deadline. And we have so many more mailbag questions coming up in our next segment. But first, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf, all in one place. And they have everything you need for wagering info, live in-game betting, scores, podcast news, everything you could possibly want all in one space. So head to BetOnline today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. Bet online, where the game starts. We are back, locked on Canadians. It is a two-part mailbag because we have so many questions from you, our lovely guests or friends of the show, internet friends, whatever. It's been a long day. So <laughs> if you want to send us mailbag questions in the future at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, locked on Canadians at gmail.com. In the YouTube comments, just don't be a jerk. Literally the lowest bar. Be respectful. You don't have to agree with the take. Just be respectful. We don't have any time for people being rude to other people. Laura, what else is in the mail? Ba- or the first part of the mailbag today? So we've got three questions from, as you were just speaking of friends of the show, friend of the show, Mimo, who comments uh, quite frequently and has a lot of uh, interesting questions for the mailbag. If Montreal ends up with a top 10 pick in 2023, would you like to see them package that first with Florida's first, depending on where it is, for a top 10 pick to then draft Bedard or Mishkov? I'm assuming they're drafting in the top 10 anyways. Um, I think I would rather – it depends on where they land. If they land in the top five, stay there. And then hope Florida's pick is bad too. Uh, to trade up, I'm worried that – their whole strategy recently has been get as many cracks at the egg as they can. 
And I think that's working out well because it's bolstering the pool deeper and deeper and deeper. Assuming that Connor Bedard goes first overall, I don't think the Canadians are going to finish last. And I think trading up with Chicago is going to require so much for that pick because, and yes, I'm declaring Chicago the worst team in the NHL next year. It's going to cost so much that it becomes sunk cost and it hurts the Canadians more than it helps at that point in time. So unless they're outside like the top 10 with both picks, I don't really see the point in trying to trade up first overall. If they're in the top five, just keep it and keep wherever Florida's pick is and go from there. But if Chicago, for some reason, is desperate to get rid of that pick for more, maybe you do it. Uh, We don't really know until we see who finishes in that, you know, in the cellar in the NHL this year. That's true. And we don't really know, too, like how many standout talents are going to be. I know we're talking about Connor. Connor Bedard being, you know, ahead of the rest of them quite a bit, right? Like there's a lot of buzz on that. But as time goes on, we're going to talk about, you know, all these other players that are kind of doing what it, what, what it takes to get themselves into the conversation, kind of like Slavkovsky did, right? So your top five could reasonably be a bunch of players. I mean, like Shimon Nemitz wasn't projected to go second overall, but, you know, he deserved to and he did. So there's lots of players there that like that, that will show themselves. And anyway, our next question from Mimo is Logan Mayo as a hockey player, as a hockey player, seems to be a really underrated prospect that isn't much talked about in redrafts. I've seen him go as high as a top 10 pick. Any thoughts on his game and on his future with the Habs as a hockey player? So I kind of want to know where these redrafts are because for Scott and I, again, we're asking the experts because we're not OHL scouts and OHL experts. We're not getting that top 10 information. In fact, in redrafts, it's lower. So here's my thing. Purely from an on ice perspective, I take a couple of things into account here. He has played 12 games in the last 18 months. Six months of which he, or in the in North America, he's played 12 games in the last like 18 months or whatever. Six months he was suspended for his off-ice actions from the OHL. He came back to the London Knights and after 12 games was shut down with an injury for the rest of the season. He is missing a lot of crucial development time. And from every scout that we have talked to on and off the record, they have all said along the same lines. He has immense physical talent. He can shoot the puck hard. He can skate. He can play physically. All of that's great. His hockey IQ is lacking in a big way that in a game that is getting more about smarts and finesse over raw strength and power, he is lacking behind. He is lagging behind in that regard. And that worries me as someone who likes a player like Lane Hudson, who has to think three steps ahead because of his size all the time. He's better equipped to read the game. And Mayu can potentially change all of that this year. He has a full year ahead of him with the London Knights. He has to stay healthy. He has to produce. And he has to develop the mental side of his game. That's severely lacking. And it's going to limit his ceiling as a viable NHL prospect. And I don't know what his future is going to hold. He's likely going to be at the rookie showcase. He will likely play some of the preseason games when they send him back to the OHL. It wouldn't be surprising to see what they have there. And if he's not good, they send him back to the OHL. He's played 12 games. It's too soon for me to say he's going to be a bust. He's going to be great. I don't know where is placing him top 10 in an NHL redraft. I 
I have my reservations about that. I'm not going to unfairly bash the kids on ice play. I, I want to approach this fairly. I don't want to appear biased because as you know, I was not a fan of this draft pick, but I look at this and I go on ice. The results are not good enough right now. And some of that is his own doing self-inflicted wound is it just, he needs to develop more simple as that. And he's got a very short window to do so right now with the Canadians. I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And that's the thing is that, you know, today's NHL, you're playing defense, right? You're not a depth forward. You're adding at the deadline to, to you know, shore up a playoff run. You are going to play defense. And all the people who comment and ask us this question are doing so in the hopes that he has the talent to be that game-breaking defenseman that we are talking about the, what the Canadians need, right? They're like, he's there. And from what we can tell, the Canadians are putting in effort, right? Like since the beginning of this offseason, the Canadians have been putting effort into him, not just on the ice, but off the ice. Whether or not we think that it's enough, that's that's neither here nor there. The, what we do know is not enough is the number of games he has played, because how are you going to develop that decision making and those instincts if you don't play a lot of games? So for me, I think this season is going to be extremely telling. And I that all the people that we've spoken to and ourselves, we share this opinion that his decision-making is poor. He proves this wrong. He plays enough and learns enough. And then, you know, he can, we can start having him in the conversation for being, you know, an NHL defenseman for this team. Next question again from Mimo. If Gallagher has a bounce back season and is on pace to score another 25 goals, if at the deadline, the offer is there, do you ship him out? And what would an ideal return look for? look like for you guys if the Canadians are willing to trade him. Okay, I I know, Scott, you and I kind of differ on this, but I think if somebody comes calling, you give him. I I think it depends on what comes calling means. Uh, I think every team in the NHL would love a Brendan Gallagher type player if he's the one scoring 20-plus goals a season, not the one whose hand is in six pieces and can't shoot. He's all heart. He, He knows where to be and where to be on the ice, and he does really well at that. I think a lot of teams would love him as a player. It's it's a longer-term deal. It's a decent chunk of money. But if he's on pace to play well and you get an offer you cannot refuse, you have to take it because it does help alleviate the cap situation. But you then leave a gaping hole in the Canadians' dressing room. Who would be – if he goes – I'm trying to think of who is left from when Mark Bergevin originally took that team over. And I don't think it's anybody. If Carey Price is Carey Price is not playing this year, and if Brendan Gallagher goes, there is nobody left from when Mark Bergevin took this team over. Which is a not stunning, but it you look back at it and realize no one graduated really from the AHL and this and that. It's a very difficult question because of how Gallagher fits in that locker room, honestly. Yeah, I think it's more of the leadership and, and you know, the heart and soul aspect. Uh, but for me, I think that NHL GMs would come calling because everybody would love him. I would hate to see him in Toronto, Ottawa, or Boston, but somebody else wants to add him for a playoff run, go for it. Good luck to Gallagher. Uh, thank you for the $6.5 million worth of cap space and hopefully some sort of return. And then that also would signify a shift in identity for this team. It's like nobody from the old regime is left. Um, all right. Another question from, I think it's Jeremy, uh, Jared, on, on, on YouTube. And this will be the last one for this segment. 
What are your expectations for Oliver Kapanen for the upcoming season? And what should the Habs do with him going forward? This is a question for you, Scott. <laughs> oh, this is a question for Patrick Bexell, who just wrote his top 25 under 25 profile for Eyes on the Prize. He needs to adhere himself in a middle six role in Liga and up his production. Simple as that. I think he's got all the talent to do so. It's he. I don't want him to become the next Yoni Ikkenen, though. Because I look at this pick and I go, I like this. He was a, it was the right choice at the right time. It's just sometimes development is hard. And he may come to North America and just light it up. He might not. Who really knows? But since he is staying in Europe this year, his goal needs to be earn regular good ice time with his team in Finland, up his production a little bit. I'm not saying he's got to be an all-star superstar, but make the Canadians notice you. You know, if that means you scored... 10 to 13 goals, whatever it might be. Good. Up your production and help your cause. Simple as that. And then you come over, maybe if your team gets eliminated, it doesn't make the playoffs, whatever, come over and you join the Rocket or maybe you join the Habs. Who knows? It all depends on where either team is at at that point. That's that's kind of my expectation right now. So we have so many more mailbag questions and they are all coming up in our final segment. We are back. It is our final part of the part one of the mailbag. It, it, I, it's like Rambo first blood part two. What? Anyways, if you want to send us questions, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com at LO underscore Canadians. Don't be a jerk in the YouTube comments and leave a question there. Laura, what are we rounding out uh, part one with? So Rick B., our friend Rick B. asks us, my mailback question for Lauren Scott, you can have a three-hour dinner with one sports person and then another three-hour dinner with one person from any walk of life. They could be living or dead. Who are your choices? Any sports personality, huh? I, I, like, I want to say Michael Jordan, but after watching The Last Dance, I kind of get the feeling that he's just kind of a selfish jerk. Um, I honestly think I wouldn't actually mind having dinner with like Ken Dryden just to listen to him tell the stories that were in his book. And he's so well-spoken and eloquent. I think, uh, that would be my pick. And I've never thought any walk of life, like, uh, like I've never truly thought about that. Cause everyone goes, ah, whoever the president was, or, you know, this musician, I'm going to say Nick Offerman. Oh, that's such gonna, a good one. I think I want to have dinner with uh, Ron Swanson and just order a steak and drink scotch and just talk. I think I think it's like the most white man pick I can probably come up with, but I think that's what I'm going to go with. It's funny. All right. So mine are Megan Rapinoe for my sports person. Um, that would be a really good time and I'd have lots of questions. And then for my any walk of life person, to be honest, I would want to have dinner with somebody who has like or even from history, who's held like state secrets that I want to know. Like maybe like the people who orchestrated all of those CIA coups, <laughs> like coups, not coups, coups. Um, somebody like that, right? Like that's who I want to know. Don't laugh at me. I am tired, <laughs> I'm just imagining now the CIA rolling up in like a Chevy coupe, be like, we are taking <laughs> over Nicaragua now. Thank you. Beep, beep. Or like... Or like a, like a chicken coop? Like, <laughs> oh god, we are both very tired. This is where we're at with this. That's an that's a phenomenal idea. However, uh, test all your food before you eat it before you leave the restaurant. So okay, 
All right, I will do that. Um, but that is definitely like I, I just I want to know the state secrets. Like I want to know how all those things got pulled off. Ooh, Randy Anson, our friend. Uh, mailbag question: With rumors of Caulfield changing to twenty six, uh, changing to twenty six from twenty two starting the season, what other players do you think should change numbers? I know our listeners aren't very happy about Chris Weidman taking Shea Weber's number, so I think all of them would want him to change number, but I personally don't care. I think most people have already changed their numbers. They've announced all those. I didn't know Caulfield was considering changing his number, though. I, I, I knew that he, he wore eight to. and he's worn 13. I didn't realize he was potentially changing his number again, though, which is fine. I don't own a Cole Caulfield Habs jersey anyways, so. Huh. I don't know. I kind of want to see Brendan Gallagher go back to 73 just for the hell of it. Um, after wearing 11 for so long, just because I think that'd be funny full circle kind of thing, considering you wore 73 when he came into the league and then uh, Michael Ryder bought him a Rolex for it uh, in his first season. Um, is anyone wearing 27 anymore? 27? Uh, wasn't yeah, Romanov wearing it this season and now he's gone? Was he Was he 27? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, he was. Romanov was 27. <laughs> so... Well, Slavkovsky's wearing 20, so I'd be like, I, w- I would tell him to wear 27 just for the hell of it, but there's pressure that comes with that, I guess. So, um, I don't know. I've never really thought about it too much. <laughs> so, Paul G. asks us another question. <laughs> this is how long it's been since we've done a mailbag. Uh, for next week's mailbag, when can we expect Scott's 2025 draft analysis? Oh, God. Um, in two to three years at this point. Um <laughs> Those those are toddlers right now, I'm pretty sure. Like I I those are literal children wandering around like an elementary school right now, playing mini sticks or something. Like I think it might be weird if I go, hey, can I just watch them play hockey? I, I'd be <laughs> let out in handcuffs and never to be seen again. <laughs> so our friend 22 paper dolls, I don't know if if uh they want me to share their Twitter handle um on here. Personally, from that second to last year, oh, this was from your from your from your um uh, prospect analysis thing. So this is a two-part question, uh, but it ends in a question. So I wanted to ask it on the mailbag. It was it was literally a comment. Uh, personally, from that second to last year, one of the players I'm most excited about is D-Show, a big goalie playing for a very good team this coming year. And I'm excited to follow him this year. Do you know if he's projected as their starter this year or was he brought in to back up? That I believe he, in Sweden, they tend to split time and whoever's hot will just take over the net. Um, for Runda hockey roster. I want to say that he's going to get his opportunities to play. It's just a lot of it. How does preseason go? How do they look in camp and et cetera? So let's take a look here and see if I can get next year or if they even have next year's rosters up yet. And I don't think they do yet, unfortunately. So I might be having to, yeah, the roster isn't posted quite yet. So we'll have a more definitive answer. I'm excited about T-Show as well because he's really risen up the ranks here and I'm very excited to see what he does. I don't know if he's coming over for the rookie tournament or not. He might not just because of when the season in Europe begins. I will have to ask uh, Zeb about that. He'll have the inside track on there. Uh, Once we get a definitive answer, I will be sure to mention it or we will tweet it or reply to you at that point in time. 
I think we have one more question for this episode. If I calculated right. correctly, we're trying to divide it in the middle. So, you know, uh, but we are getting closer to the end of this episode. So this one is from Zachary H, our old friend Zachary. We haven't heard from him in a while, uh, but Zachary's still been listening to us and we're so grateful. So after the Habs acquired a now healthy Sean Monaghan, which Sean Monaghan states that he's healthy. Kent Hughes has some suspicions. We're going to see what happens with that. Uh, which line does he play on and who should his wingers be? <laughs> That's a very good. This goes back to that first question we answered is we have five centers. Who knows who's playing where at this point? Um, it all depends on how good is he still defensively? Can he drive off and still? And I think we're going to see him shuffled around a lot. I think someone like Dodonov and Gallagher might be part of his line because they're stable options and, or, you know, they might go high risk. They might go offense with that and give him a Hoffman and an Anderson to make things happen. It's all going to be about how he integrates into Martin St. Louis system. I think the options are outside of Caulfield are like limitless for this team. You can rotate as many guys through as many of the only two I, I keep together are Suzuki and Caulfield right now. Everyone else is earn your spot. And yeah, I guess that does go for Caulfield as well. But for right now, it's kind of up in the air a little bit. There's so many pieces in, in motion here. That's why there's a long preseason ahead of us. We There's so many things we could talk about in the offseason, and then reality will hit, right? Like he'll hit the ice, and maybe the injury is not healed yet. Or they'll hold him out, and maybe other people will find chemistry that they had planned to play him with, right? So there's a whole bunch of unknowns. But you know what isn't unknown? Is that we are done for the first part of the mailbag questions. There will be no uh, call for questions for the Friday mailbag, because the Friday mailbag is the continuation of the mailbag questions you have already sent us. Uh, however, you can always send us mailbag questions that we will address next week. Also, we're going to invite some more people on we haven't done a guest episode in like a week and a half we're getting we're getting a little bit <laughs> antsy uh so we will we will invite more people like that for next week in the meantime uh this is it for part one scott we are gonna have about the same amount of questions for our next episode as well yes if you want to follow us on twitter we are at lo underscore canadians um laura's at the active stick i'm at scott matlin when you're done checking us out please check out lockdown nhl where all of our local experts have all you need to know on breaking news and off-season things all heading around right now. Go check them out. They're wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube.